Good Shepherd, seek us out and save us in our living and in our dying. Amen. I find it very difficult to get perspective in life. Uh, the phrase, if I'd only known then what I know now, uh, gets repeated more and more the older I get. And I've noticed this especially in thinking uh, back over time and just think about the things that you struggled with uh, in your teens, uh, things that you struggled with in your early 20s, whatever the big presenting issue was in your life, which I mean, it was serious, whatever it was, whether it was about love or whether it was about uh, your career path or whether it was about uh, any sort of future decision that you might make. It seemed very serious in the moment, and it was serious. But now that you look back on it, you think, man, I'd kill to have problems like that again. Right, because now uh, you you see yourself as aimless and and foolish back then, and yet the problem with that way of thinking is that I know that in ten years' time, when I think back upon Andrew Pearson right now, I'm going to think, what an idiot! Right, foolish, uh, lack of perspective, the inability to see the situation for for what it is, uh, and uh, Jesus tells us this morning that that is really the nature of sheepness. Uh, it's Good Shepherd Sunday, if you didn't pick up on that. And uh, Jesus, this image as Jesus as the Good Shepherd of the one who seeks and saves that which is lost in the vivid imagery. It's a, probably the most popular nickname that Jesus has, the Good Shepherd. Uh, and we all being like sheep who have gone astray. And very rarely in life are we not like sheep. Right. We, we sort of go from patch to grass to patch to grass to patch to grass, thinking about our own whatever's in front of us. And when we finally lift our heads, we find ourselves completely lost. And we need someone to come and rescue us from the situation that we're in because we're overwhelmed by it. And yet, um, I find that there is a moment in life where, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, you are given absolute clarity in most cases. And that's in your death. Jesus tells us this morning that he's come that we might have life and have it abundantly and that we under the purview and under the lordship of the good shepherd can go in and go out and find pasture. But more often than life, the only time that we actually have a right perspective where we can understand what is at hand in the situation in front of us and what really our priorities and when we get a right perspective is often at the death of a loved one or our own death that we really begin to think about what is important in life. Uh, my grandfather was estranged from our family uh, for a number of years. He made some poor life decisions and ultimately moved to Florida and then moved to Arizona. And uh, I knew that we were in trouble when my grandfather would write letters to me and sign them uh, lovingly, Bob. Right? And I'm like, I don't think so. So uh, Bob had moved to Arizona, and uh, toward the end of his life, he was diagnosed with cancer, and that affected a reconciliation between my father and his siblings and their father, my grandfather. And uh, as he was entering his final days, my aunt went out there to help take care of him. And they had not had the best of relationships. And one day she walked into the bedroom where he lay dying and what ultimately would prove to be his last words. And he looked up at her as she walked through that door and he said, Maureen, you are so beautiful. 
And then he died. And in just that small phrase, we we knew what he was saying. He was saying, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you this every single day of your life. I'm sorry that I wasn't the dad, uh, that I knew that I ought to have been. I love you. And so now I say, Maureen, you are so beautiful. Absolute clarity as to what was important. My grandfather had a very successful uh, career. He was uh, a lot of fun to be around, which made the nickname Bob a little more reasonable. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he was... uh, he was one of those guys that thought that he was just a paycheck to his family and that that's what he ought to be, that he ought to just focus on his career and allow my grandmother to raise the kids and uh, his happiness was of ultimate importance. But when it came to his dying, all of a sudden he was given pretty immediate clarity as to what was important in life. Wouldn't it be great to have that clarity when you're 22? When you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 50, when you're 60, when you're 70, when you're 8, when you're alive? That's what Jesus Christ is talking about here today in this passage. When he says that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, the way the New International Version says it says, I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. If you want to exhaust life of its potential, it's through me, the good Shepherd, if you want to go in and go out and find pasture, if you want to live life and be able to do what you do without worrying about everything else, if you want to have the right perspective on life, then you need to have me as the good shepherd. But we've all been to funerals and lost loved ones, and we, we have that perspective for a while where we hold our kids a little bit closer, where we're a little bit more expressive with our friends, where we look at our jobs in a right mind, uh, and then months go by and we find it impossible not to get caught up in the current of life. It all sort of just falls back into sheepness, where we just keep our heads down and we go through life. And once again, we have lost perspective. So how do we gain this perspective? How are we able to go in and out? How are we able to live life to the fullest? Thinking about our own death gives a little bit of that. But if you want right perspective, if you want to put life in its proper place, if you want to exhaust life of its potential, it's another death that we need to think on. And that is the death of Jesus Christ. His death is what gives us the right perspective in life. When Jesus says that he's the good shepherd, he says that he is the door, uh, he is the gate, what he's saying is that my sheep are mine. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your deepest needs. He knows your struggle. He knows your propensity to wander off and yet... If you know that you're out in the pasture grazing, if there's a pasture to graze in, the good shepherd is looking out for you. He's watching out for you. And if you don't have a good shepherd, you might be grazing, but you're also looking over your shoulder every moment that you can to make sure that you don't see a thief or robber. And sometimes thieves and robbers are not that easy to identify. 
We all are all too ready to follow false good shepherds. As wonderful as our parents are and as moving as I'm sure it was to my aunt to hear that she was beautiful, and indeed that word of beauty and love and acceptance and recognition and worthness has to come from outside of us. The sheep can't stand in the field and say, I'm somebody. I've got it together. Bring on the wolves, bring on the thieves and the robbers. A sheep has no defense mechanisms. The only defense that they have, which is a sure defense, is to be under the protection of a good shepherd. And when they do wander off, when they do wander off, he's willing to leave the 99 to go after the one, even when they're carried away by a thief or a robber. His relentless pursuit is unending for the sheep that are being carried away. Nothing will separate you from the love of the Good Shepherd because you are his treasure. Sheep often don't know what they're worth, and if we're honest with ourselves, we all struggle with our worth. We all wonder if we're good enough. We all wonder if we're actually making the grade. When we look in the mirror, we think we could all do a whole lot better. But the shepherd knows what you're worth. Indeed, in Jesus' day, all of the shepherd's wealth, their everything, was in the sheep. They were his treasure. You are God's treasure so much that he'd lay down his life for you. He counts the life of a silly, obstinate sheep greater than his. So when Jesus says that I am the gate, what he's talking about is back in the day, the shepherds would build a sheep pen out of brush and rocks and whatever they could do, and they didn't have a swinging gate with hinges. So what the shepherd would do is actually lay himself down in the gate. And so if anybody was going to come after the sheep, they had to come through the shepherd first. Nobody was going to get at those sheep without first having to deal with a good shepherd. And if the truth of that sinks down deep in your hearts, when you understand the great depths of love and the end at which this good shepherd goes to ransom you, to give you an identity, to impute his righteousness, to give you your everything, you can go in And you can go out in confidence and you've been given a right perspective on what life is about. You can actually exhaust life of its potential in spite of its difficulty. And even in your dying, you can be filled with joy in a right perspective. When my great-grandmother died on my mom's side of the family... Uh, She had 12 living children at that point in time, 53 grandchildren and 72 great-grandchildren. Birthdays really stunk for her, and um, and yet she was faithful. And I was nine years old when she died, and I remember it because I was at my grandparents' house. Uh, My grandfather was her seventh child. And um, can you, I mean, seven out of 12, give me a break. So uh, 
they called and said she was dying. And so we went to the hospital and all of the siblings and all of their spouses and a number of the grandchildren, and of course I was a great grandchild, we all showed up at the hospital much to their chagrin. They were not happy about that. And I can remember standing in the hallway packed full of people with nurses yelling and pushing us out of the way. And I remember because I was leaning against a wall and I was pushing my head against the bottom of a picture frame and I could hear in the hospital room them praying for my great-grandmother. And then there was silence. And then she began to sing. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. It's a good way to die. And she was able to die like that because she had a good shepherd. She understood that her whole life was centered upon the foundation stone of Jesus Christ. And even at her dying, she knew that she could live leave life without any deep regrets. And the last thing, that was the last thing she did. She died two hours later. And in that, in that, the last thing that she would impart to her children was the saving love and the protection of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. Do you want to live like that? Do you want to die like that? Know who your good shepherd is, little lamb. Hear his voice. Know his protection. Know him as your gate. Go in and go out and find pasture. For he is your good shepherd. Amen.